This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 890, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, who are washing their hands. You guys haven't really done that in a while. No, we don't care about that anymore. <laughs> you dirty, dirty listeners.
name is Ryan Helt, and this week I am joined by my co-host, Joshua Flanagan. Hi. I'm not going to lie. It feels a little weird to have you call me your co-host. But yeah, I'm just, uh, yep. That's, I, I know. That's I wrote it. I Sarah, left it there. I Sarah looked at Warren it and I was right like, that's correct, but whatever. And you are joining me here on iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 890. Um... Every week, one of us picks the book they liked best from their stack of comics, and that book gets called the pick of the week. This week, Josh, I did something I've never done, or today, actually, before recording, I did something I've never done before in my entire life. I gave blood. Oh, wow. I've never given blood before. Just uh, on on impulse? Like, it wasn't a planned thing? It was um, s- it, spontaneous? Something I, I used to have a really big fear of needles as a kid, and then I got over that, but then just never got in the habit of, like, giving blood whenever the blood drive came around, and... I just decided a while back that it's something I should probably do if I'm el- eligible to do it. I'll find out when they run all the tests and stuff. But um, yeah, and and the American Red Cross is headquartered here in D.C. So I just mm-hmm. biked biked down there <laughs> and uh, gave. Did you, they have like did they you, have like an app and everything you can like track. You can like earn points. Did you consider that afterwards cycling around in the August sun? Having having given up a liter of the good stuff, it was a it was a relatively cool day here, okay. um, and I did consider that. But again, parking it's just not w- worth it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh-huh. apparently, I, my, I got I I've known that I have good veins for a while now, easy easy to hit, and uh, I filled the bag in like half the time that average an average <laughs> an average man would have. They said it usually takes ten to twenty five <laughs> minutes to fill a bag, and I filled it in five. So so yeah, if you've never given blood before, you, you can just download this app and just start with the Red Cross and just start doing it. It's, it's that easy. Can we, let's read the next thing. What what yeah. happens with the comics each week? Uh, now that now that we're off the needle, we're going to talk about that book and the other books from the week. The patron pick. We're going to answer some listener mail if we have time. I hope we do, but I might have I might have just shot us in the foot on that one. Sure. Here's your spoiler warning. Exercise some caution this week, Josh. Um, much to my continued forgetfulness, you had the pick. I did have the pick of the week, and I, I I really relished the moment where you realized that you didn't have it because I know that feeling because I can't ever remember anything, and so every week I think, wait, do I have it? And then when I find out I don't, I go, oh, thank God. It, you know what's funny about that is not only did I keep forgetting that I didn't have the pick, I kept forgetting separate to that that I didn't have the patron power as well. So I kept thinking of patron yeah. powers. Oh, you're good. And then not writing and then not writing them down. Yeah, you don't even need that blood today. You're fine. Yeah. I'll yeah, handle yeah. the lifting. All right, so the good thing is, though, is that uh, kind not not really a heavy week, not a light week, sort of right down the middle for me. Um, but I actually, I it was, a, it was a really delightful weekend. I had almost no trouble picking my pick of the week, which is Fantastic Four, number 703, or number 10 in the current nomenclature. Um, this is another Ryan North does a Twilight Zone episode sort of issue of of the fantastic four um it exists within the larger story that is going on but it don't have to uh you know it, it's it's it it, it, it can, you could take it or leave it in the in the greater story it's just a thing that happens between the panels that they decided to do a little uh uh formal short story about when i say formal i mean that i think it focused very much on the form uh you know it, it, it exists in four or five parts actually that as we sort of go through each of the characters and we jump forward in time um which is something that i think ryan Ryan north is is a very um thoughtful writer i mean like like it's i i i talk to lots of smart people all the time uh and when i and when i got and i don't i don't think i'm a slouch and when i got off my interview with him i was like wow he's very intelligent and like and and not he's also tall and yeah. um and pretty pretty good looking like well, I was got- I was <laughs> I was gonna say is it wasn't just 
it, a lot of times intelligent people um, maybe have some some self doubts. Uh, he's intelligent and he knows it, but not in a dicky way. There's a lot going on for him, is what I'm saying. But either yeah. way, I really like that it keeps showing in the work, and because he's not a dyed in the wool marvel you know superhero comic book purist he's he's playing with the form a little bit and it fits really well into this fantastic four run uh second part here is that we have art um we have leandro fernandez i love leandro fernandez we don't get a lot of him i first uh, uh i discovered him uh, on queen and country um where, where people were like we're not sure if we like this guy i believe he's spanish but i'm not sure because he would draw these long noses he's kind of gotten away from that but his style is so elegant and liquid and and just it's beautiful and he's he's done nothing but get better over the years before there was a lot of style to it and he got by that way but now you know it's just he's, he's got it he knows he knows exactly what he's doing whenever he shows up on a book for me it is an absolute delight um and the great part is here is that like i had seen ahead of time that he had been the artist and then kind of forgot about it and then when i was reading it i i, I didn't notice at the beginning and i thought wow what is this this is this is really good and then I looked back and I thought, wow, I had no idea, but now I see it. So it's just, you know, it's just that, that surprise. And again, Ryan North kind of on these issues is always uh, uh, supplying some kind of surprise with the way that he's telling his story. And then, you know, you have a, a great artist, uh, Jesus Bertov on colors, of course, holding it down. The bass player of comic book uh, is, is Joey C, Joey Caramagna on letters. Uh, and, uh, I just, I was probably two thirds of the way through and I just went, there's no way this isn't pick of the week. And I told you that earlier. I was like, I have three books to yes. go. I would be shocked. I believe I said I would eat my hat. You did uh, say that. If, if there was a, which is, which is not a thing I would say, but I did. Um, so what we've got here is you read this. You're with me. Yes, I did. I did. Okay. And it's, it's great to, it's great to have a, a fantastic four book that does these sort of harder sci-fi stories. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's fun. You know, it, 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 brings it back around to being like it's a comic about a family that goes on adventures less so than them being superheroes. I don't mind Mm -hmm. them being superheroes, but I like the, I like having, I like having both. And this is just, it's scratching that itch in a really fun way. Um, This is, this issue is really gave me the similar vibes to that um, novel. I recommended to you and Connor a little while back children of time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Mm -hmm. Um, Cause it's a lot of just like people in sleep pods and stories taking place over hundreds of years. And, um, and I, I know you love uh, a time dilation story, but this is sort of a time out of sync story. Yeah. I, I, and I was, I was going to bring that up is that um, again, that sort of formal thing is that in the beginning you have a, I, I mean, basically it's kind of fantasy sci-fi. It's kind it's of, hard of a, it's sci-fi. sort of a haunted house. Like it's, it's yeah, but, but it's based in at least a simulacrum of science. Like believe like, okay, this is, if you're, if you're trying to think about how time works in different places, then this has this has something to it that's not just made up nonsense, uh, but also sort of all fits the bill. So you have this um, spaceship. Uh, it is uh, it an is like a world ship. is a yeah an arc ship a world ship. All of the uh, I don't know the resources. I don't know exactly how it works of this of this species of being uh, is on a long journey to go somewhere else to save their species. And uh, there's there's a series of caretakers, and they awake from a pod, and uh, uh, you know. And, and and they find out like, hey, we're stuck. There's no, there, we're, the engines are on. We're not moving. Um, looks outside the window, and it's it's Johnny Storm who appears to be stock still. And they think he's a monster. Blah 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 blah. That guy dies. Next, it's time, proven insane. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, like over time, driven insane, but eventually like, you know, and then somebody else pops up a hundred years later. And so the four sections are each a hundred years and you're seeing the Fantastic Four out there, each of them. So I, right away I'm getting, I was like, oh, time's different here. That's cool. Um, then the last guy pops out after the fourth person has died and he says, you know what? I'm thinking about this all wrong. And and normally if a character narrates their thought process and goes through everything, it is lazy as shit. But I was like, I can hear this. I can hear the guy working this out and he's not doing it on paper. He's telling us because this is a comic book story or whatever. And he's like, well, wait, maybe they're, you know, if not, if this and this and this, then maybe they're not trying to harm us. And then, you know, we sort of wrap the thing up and we see them be heroes. And there's this little bit that I loved is that uh, Ben Grimm is grousing because that's what he does. And he's like, so they don't even know we did anything for him. A little thanks would be great, you know, <laughs> and you know, he and, and then all but also relates it back to the fact that like a little thanks would be great. But it also ties into the fact like he feels like he's a monster, like he's underappreciated that like he just wants that love and that validation for the thing that he's doing. Then we cut forward and this 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 uh, here's your spoiler, you know, like like this uh, uh, culture has survived and they revere the Fantastic Four as the heroes who saved them. Now, the Fantastic Four don't ever know it and they will never know it, but it happened. I like it. I really I just it was so tidy and it was so mm-hmm. thoughtful and and just like. I don't know. It had all those little elements of like a really fun sci-fi short story, but it, it was the comic book characters you recognize. It was like, you know, when some people come in and they want to do an experiment and it just so happens that it's Batman in it. Like, no, it's a fantastic four story. It's just a great fantastic four story. That's imaginative. Yep. Yep. And, and these, I like these, the, I like the yeah. stakes. I like that the stakes mm-hmm. are, you know, the fantastic four are not in any danger really no. at any point in the story. The stakes are, uh, and, and Reed even says this explicitly at one point, like, you know, we're spending like a couple hours here trying to fix this problem, but like people are living and dying their entire lifetimes, the longer we take. Mm-hmm. And so I like that, you know, there were stakes that <clears throat> were about other people that they were trying to help. And I, I like that it wasn't perfect. Like there are people who die in some pretty yeah, actually I did hor- too. Hor- horrific ways. Like other, if, if I hadn't read X-Men 25 this week on, cause I saw it on the list, this would have been the most gruesome comic I read, but yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I just, it was perfect. It was just a perfect little issue. And, and I, and you know what's, funny is i know that this has been pick of the week several times um and a lot of times when a book is very good uh and we this again this is like a problem of four people on earth a lot of times if a book is really good and it is clearly a pick of the week to the person to me for this like that was this was easily the most enjoyable and i thought inventive book i read there's a problem where i've talked about this book so many times i don't have anything else to say about it but the like the I, i've never i've never read an issue like this this was a whole other thing different artists was on it doing a different thing uh that that style of store like the skills that that ryan north has are all still there but it's being employed in a completely different way which is done over and over through this 10 issue short run it's a delight yep it's it's, it's it is a somewhat of a, a master class in how to do this kind of comic mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, yeah. Doctor Strange, number 432, or six. Uh, I read after Fantastic Four. So if there was going to be any books that caused me to eat my hat, this was the closest anything got because it was also another time dilation story. Mm-hmm. And it was also delightful, not as inventive. Um, we've got Jed McKay and then one page at the end by Jonathan Hickman. I don't know what that's about. Seems like there's some sort of event coming up called Gods. Who knows? Um, wait, no, that's at the, isn't that the end of Fantastic Four? Did I get that wrong? It's in the middle of this issue. It's at the end of Fantastic Four. So oh. each, each issue both had a page by Jonathan Hickman. Screwed setting up, up my, screwed up my, uh, 
screwed up my credits. Uh, yeah, but um, again, really fun little um, Doctor Strange story where uh, the Vishanti says, "We got to, you got to help us win this war. It's all going to go down." And so he's like, "Fine, I'll go. I'm a doctor, not a general, whatever." And it turns out that the war lasts five thousand years. Now he doesn't age during that time physically, and he will be returned back in time to where he left. But five thousand years of war, and he becomes a a warlord, killer, bloodthirsty, the general that he's supposed to be to win the war. But it breaks him. Um, and again, I don't. I don't think I need to spoil this whole thing because if you read it, you know, you read it. Yes. And I really liked the comic booky ending of it that they fixed him. That there's a butt, and that butt is actually this could be a one shot, but it's actually like going to lead to the next stories. But you could have read it on its own. You could not read any further, and you'd sort of have a really fun little Doctor Strange story and Nature like- of Man, blah blah blah. I like that all of all the heroes in the in the Marvel universe, um, Stephen Strange seems to be the one who like I don't know. They keep finding ways to corrupt him in different yeah th- different ways. Well, it's it's almost like I mean if you if you like the you know his his kryptonite is ego, as it is Tony Stark's. But I think ego for Doctor Strange works better because he's a surgeon. You know, like he actually holds lives in his hands, literally, you know, and then they, he breaks his hands and he's, I think, he's got, I think Tony Stark is cocky. Yes. I think that's a good, that's whereas, a good, uh, whereas Dr. Strange has a large ego and and it's, it's, it's justified. Like it's not mm-hmm. like there's people who have large egos who are awful. And then there's people who have large egos and, and it's actually in every way earned. It doesn't make them pleasant, but they're right. You know? And, and at the same time, like he knows it, like he, he wants to be a good guy. He is a good guy, but Tony's got his alcoholism and Dr. Strange has his ego. And, and in this, we see that, that, you know, win because given enough time, you know, it will, it will defeat him, you know, and the horrors of war that too. Well, it's like all those things. It's that perfect, ridiculous fantasy stew. I'd also be completely remiss to, I, I, I recognize the name Juan Gideon. Um, not the regular artist on this, but I was just this art to me was perfect. It was great. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the right kind of cartoony that the way that his face was drawn. Like it's almost got like um there's this there's bits where his eyes are closed when they just kind of like Darwin Cook like um slits, you know? There was it doesn't look like Darwin Cook art, but there's a thing with that kind of artist where you know there's just a, a simplicity to it. Um it's very like outlined cartoony stuff. It had texture and everything, but it was just like drafting. Yep. And I, I think the cool the cool thing that Jed McKay is doing here is this this issue is a, a flashback based on the reveal in the previous issue. And so Which then I didn't next remember. Week, I was like, I feel like I should, probably would have known something about this. Yeah, I had to catch up on a few issues of Doctor Strange this week, so that was fresher for me. But like, it's the reveal was interesting, and I didn't know what it was referring to. Mm-hmm. And then this tells you that story, and like, oh, and I'm actually now just as interested to pick up the next issue having given the backstory mm-hmm. and I like, I actually think it is, even though it is sort of a, a tangent, a side story, uh, a one-off almost. Um, I like the story that it's, it's plugging into as well. So mm-hmm. I think that, yeah. Cause at first I was like, wait a minute, there was some story. Like we're not done with that other story. What is going on here? And then I think, Oh, they're going to do like a one shot. And then at the end of it, you're like, no, this is going to be relevant. Whereas I think the fantastic four story, that's going to be it. I mean, like it might come back in some form later, but it's not like, the big part of the next 10 issues or whatever. Whereas this is going to be a thing. I think my 
favorite part of this is so uh, it it takes a little while to notice it because you know it starts off you know the the war starts year one a couple of pages later year 12 and you're like oh he's there for a while and then year 15 year 100 year 500 like it goes on 1509 like like, wow this is really you know like and you start thinking even if he gets returned like you're not there's no way you're the same like like it's not even close to the same person you could not get returned to your life uh there's a reveal about um orgoth his uh his sort of right hand man (laughs) i left hand in this um (laughs) we're sorry orgoth's going to be all right from now on (laughs) oh thank god there's no other way to take that He's probably no. out there swimming around in circles, freaking out his entire family. <laughs> <laughs> or Orgoth loses an arm. It's not yes. the left arm, but that would ruin the joke. Um, but you know, there's like a twist with that character, and and the sort of little explanation resolution of it is beautiful. And and again, Jed McKay, just a, like an artist, like I mean, a writer who just fits into Marvel so well. But this story was also a surprise in in the yeah. way that it was. It wasn't again, I wouldn't have been like, oh, this is like one of the other Jed McKay stories. It isn't. Well I mentioned uh I mentioned last week on the show that I had rewatched Palm Springs, which I thought held up really well and was still a lot of fun even in like a non-COVID lockdown context, mm-hmm. like when it originally came out. And this kind of had this was sort of a groundhog day-ish kind of, you know, because he's just fighting the same war every single day for five thousand years. It's five thousand years like their clothes don't change. They kind of always look the same. They're always just fighting. It's not like a siege. It's just you know, like a bunch of monsters attack and they, they push them off. That's what the whole thing is. And like, you never, you know, in Palm Springs and in, in, in Groundhog Day, you never find out how long they're stuck in the loop. But at one point, right. a car- somebody asked Andy Samberg, like, what's his job? And he's like, I don't remember. It's been, I've been stuck right. in this wedding long enough that I don't know that. Anymore. So like, in the, uh, it gets to what you're saying about like, you could not come out of that the same person you went in. Right. God, it's really great. Uh, the the art around the Vashanti um, that was all very like uh, sketchy line based really like gave you this sense of other when those characters were around because the rest of it didn't look like that. So they appeared to be coming out of the ether in like a art style that that uh, I'm not all that like it's not overdone. It's not a, it's it's not a thing that happens a lot, but it instantly reads that that was really cool. Um, yeah, I, I love this. I really I, like there were some issues this week that I really, really enjoyed. Um, so that was really nice. So I assume that you you kept up with X. Have you been reading? We talked about it last week. I know. Like, no, I've read, no, not okay. been reading the X books. I read the Hellfire Gala one just because it was the patron pick. And then uh, you saw I saw that this was on the script and it was a 25th issue. So I figured, yeah, I can, you know, it's probably going to be oversized, but I'll give it a shot and see see where we're going. Just you so know, we can... I enjoyed that last thing. So we can continue. Same same writer, same stuff. Um, what'd you think? Um, I still don't know that I really care about this whole Orcus organization and what yes. they're trying to do. Like that, I, I don't know who this character is who's got like the the playing card symbol on his forehead. I keep thinking it's Mister Sinister, but then it's mm-hmm. not. Same. I, don't, I barely know who Mister Sinister is. So, and so it's like I don't know what this like. This character looks to me like a mutant. So <laughs> why is he so against the mutants? Um, I had to take a step back with that character because hey, I don't know who he is. I couldn't tell you his name or whatever, but at least I recognize him when he shows up. But like, why are you anti mutant when you clearly look like you have a you have a you have a club, you know, ace of clubs on your head? Like that's not that's not a normie thing. That's not normal. And he dresses like a super villain. Like he looks like either a vampire or something. And and what I had to do to reconcile my myself with that, I was like, it's a comic book. He's a super villain. Okay, fine. Like yeah. that doesn't have to be the thing that I that I hang my hat on. If anything, with this issue, you are hanging your hat on on Kitty Pride or one of her many other 
uh, identities, which they made very clear in this, that there have been a bunch of them and it's kind of interesting used in this context. Mm-hmm. And so now she is Shadow Cat again, um, which I vaguely remember, who is, you know, like if Wolverine was Kitty Pride, like she's been trained by the best uh, ghost evil ninja ever and she's she's killing people and uh, and boy, howdy. Yeah, that was a brutal scene. I, I was actually kind of shocked that like there wasn't a warning on the, maybe there was there a warning on the front of the comic? No, there's know. There's no kids reading this. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they you know they used to have that like Punisher Max series. Mm-hmm. Like this was like max level violence. She kills one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, uh, heavily armed. Uh, I don't know. They look like Shield and Hydra all mixed up in one, and a little bit the of Adam Strange. Orcus the, or- the Orcus people, people right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and she and just it's interesting because I don't read X Men comics a lot, and I know how comic books work. But they surround her, and I, I was like, that's, that's pretty bad. Can she do this? You know, I haven't thought about it, but, but, like, she brutally murders them. Yeah, and I think I realized, I think I realized the path we were about to go down when the first guy just point blank tries to shoot her in the head. And right. you, it's not like, because I feel like a lot of times in comics or in stuff that's theoretically for a younger audience, it's always like a laser blaster. It's mm-hmm. never just, like, bullets. And this, right. the fact that they, you see that there is a bullet passing through her head as she phases and starts the fight, I'm just like, oh, this is real. This is, this is... And, and, and like, and Duggan goes full Frank Miller. I mean, like, the, like the bullet goes through and the next, the next uh, caption is, the first one died whistling, but only because he was trying to breathe through a shattered windpipe. You know, stuffs a gun in the one guy's head and that scrambles his brains and melds Phases, a couple of other people. Hand grenades into two guys' chests. I really, I really like it when uh, comic book writers... Uh, extend not always because sometimes it's dumb but good comic book writers can take a power that seems really kind of basic and surely was you know they didn't think of all these things when they originally conceived of it but there's like what's the worst most dangerous thing you can do with this power yeah you know that you see it with sue storm like no you just you just put a little bubble inside somebody's brainstem and call it a day you know uh uh, this is that you know and it's again it's a fine line between just being gross you know and i'm trying to think exploitative is not the word but you know that's sort of like shocking but mm-hmm. here it's thoughtful shocking and thoughtful i don't know like well, it's, a, it's interesting because the situation kitty pride has put in is whatever orcus does that deactivates the krakoa gates that kitty has never mm-hmm. been able to use suddenly makes them available to her so now she's the only mutant that can go through them um and she falls through it and a bunch of orcus people see her and so it becomes sort of a spy ops thing of just like the enemy can't know right that, that this is uh, that this option is available to her so she has no choice but to make sure none of these guys walks out of the walks away from the, the situation able to talk about it however it's pretty clear that she's the one who did that when they come upon this scene except no no she she even she remember she said she um phased all the bodies into the ground afterwards. Oh, oh, oh okay Okay, that that's I, I think I did miss that, but good. You have to explain that. Yeah. Um. Or don't. Who cares? Um. It was cool. It's it was fine. cool. I thought it was. An, I thought it was a nice touch that they explained that she did. That yes. She no. That. You're, you're absolutely right. Um. I enjoyed it. Again, I don't know if I keep reading this forever, but I was like, all right, I really enjoyed that. I'm gonna see what's going on. And I, you know, part of the thing with X Men, and and for some reason that Hellfire Gala thing didn't do it. Is there's usually too many characters I don't know. And don't care about, and I can't get a hold of anything. But I know enough about Kitty Pride, and and like there's basically three main characters in this book. There's Emma Frost, uh, Kitty Pride, and and to a certain extent Kamala Khan. And I was like, all right, that's I can and go. I thought, with that. I thought the Cyclops scene in this was good too. Oh yeah, yeah, yep, yep. 
a lot of body horror going on. That's the thing now, man. Yeah, vibranium eye claspers. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't sound through the hole the size of a baseball. I think is what he says. It's pretty grim. Pretty grim stuff. Did you read Star Wars Dark Droids? On on your recommendation, I did, and uh, this was a good week for like this was mm-hmm. a very kind of hard sci fi story for the Star Wars universe. So I was reading it and actually really enjoying it because this again this can go wrong charles soul um writing the story who's, who's sort of the main star wars guy at marvel right now luke ross who i haven't seen in quite some time he was the regular artist on the the first big chunk of um Palmiotti and gray's jonah hex um i was a big fan of his work then and and w- what we have here is a story that really like well what about these droids um and and it, it's a, it's a sci-fi story it's a sci-fi horror story and it's and and at the end, basically, the only I was really into it. I was like, could this be a pick of the week? But I think at the end, I when it tied back into Star Wars proper, and then I realized it was going to be a whole like event over the course of months. There's a calendar that goes through December here with this story, which is called Metal, which by the way was already fucking used. I was kind of like, oh, I wish they'd let it stop earlier. Yeah. Well, I think I mean, so when you look at the you know when you look at the Star Wars universe. Mm-hmm. We, it's it, it be, it's an obvious question of like why has there never been a droid uprising, right? It, right. Because we they get outfitted for war. They're they're clearly stronger and more more po- powerful than many of the humans that they work with. Um, you know, R two D two can fly for some reason. So you know this this story kind of posits a, a droid that decides to do that and starts replicating itself across a star destroyer and um all and just all manner of again gruesome death and killing of Imperials and. Uh, <coughs> Excuse me. And at that point, I was like, well, I mean, I'm not that sad that imps like, the, you know, that mm-hmm. were taking out Imperials like and then it lost me a little bit when they go to this colony of like sentient droids uh-huh. that live apart. Like I was just like, this is they want to th- be free, but they're not evil. Like they don't like that. This guy's killing other robots. That didn't feel super Star Wars to no, me. Honestly, none of it did. Yeah. Except that. There's a there's a subcategory of things, and I'm I'm learning to accept it, of Star Wars stories that are not like Star Wars, but are taking place in the Star Wars world. Right. And I think um, Andor, Andor, that show is a great example of that. Like to me, it's not very Star Wars, but I thought it was really cool. And by putting it in the context of Star Wars, then I understood a lot that you didn't have to tell me. Yeah, that's a good point. And. Um, uh- you know, I think we've always said that the the line in the sand has to be time travel. They, they never do a time travel Star Wars story. I think it would just break mm-hmm. something fundamental. I did love the sequence of the um, Imperial shuttle coming out of hyperspeed and the little mouse droid launching itself <laughs> down the ramp at the Mon Cal uh, cruiser. Um, mm-hmm. The one the one science thought because you and I often talk about how like gravity doesn't quite work like it's supposed That's, to. You said time, but to me, and I know they're related, but like gravity is the thing that you can't talk about in Star Wars. Yeah, and can't. I don't know, like, wouldn't this mouse droid firing the cables at the, um... Still slam into it? No, wouldn't it, wouldn't the cables start pushing it backwards? Like, because if you throw, you know, it's... it's I assume it inserted the ends of the cables and latched. And then also, if the, if the cables are, uh, I don't know if prehensile is the right word at all, but like, they could push, they could push back on them. Yeah. I just think it would, yeah. It, well, it would. I guess it was moving fast enough because the shuttle just came out of light speed. But I think, I think uh, the act of firing, like if you are st- if you are in space and you are holding a baseball and you throw oh. the baseball, you go backwards. Yeah, but the mass would make a difference. It would. It would. As so would their, like the yeah. the 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 back 
forward thrust of the cables going forward wouldn't have had enough mass to certainly send him backwards, maybe slow him slightly, but that would have been preferable. Yep, that was just the one little thought I had in terms sure. of like, would the physics of that actually work? Speaking of that, uh, I, I have to say, so I went back, um, I was reading and I just wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. And so uh, we see the one droid infect everything and kill all the stuff on the Star Destroyer. And I, I hadn't quite recognized the device of when we see the purple ovals, that's we're seeing it through the evil robot eyes. Um and then we go to this weird robot citadel in the clockwork tower or whatever. And they're like, it was Peter or Petey or whatever he was, you know, like, and I was like, what are they talking about? And so I go back and I see that like this mouse droid is sort of in the foreground and background of all these different shots. He sees mm-hmm. all the things going on. He, the mouse droid hacks into uh, the, the communication system and you see from the evil point of view them doing that. And then you see it die. And, and, and so there's all of this, mostly uh wordless comic book storytelling so that sequence is all you know there's there's no dialogue and the sequence you just mentioned the there's there's just it's just two pages in space um which was great i was like this is great comic book storytelling luke ross killing it with droids and spaceships um and the, yep. the 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 rebellion the frigate that thing that ship is so well drawn what an awesome design um yeah, just like it was all a bunch of comic book goodness. Was it a good Star Wars story? No. Do I want it to be part of Star Wars? No. But I especially can- don't want it to be part of Star Wars with the with Luke and Leia and the gang. And yes, yeah, the C three PO. Everything that happens at the end, I was like, I don't need that. But whatever. Like I can separate it, I guess, in a way that I think that I was going to say I I can do this in comic books easier than I can other stuff. But I think that Andor is exactly that thing. It, it, Andor it's not star Wars. It's just, and it's, it's like, it's not really, it just takes place. It's a different kind of story. that takes place in star Wars universe. And we can use that context to enjoy the story, but it doesn't, it's so unrelated to like Luke Han and Leia and the things that I loved about it. Yeah. So it's a different thing. And so I enjoy it in a different way, but I could also take it or leave it. Like, I don't need that. I don't, it's fine. If that never happened, fine. I'm not gonna get mad about it. I'm not gonna like all of it, but you know, good is good. You want a nerd? I am. I saw that the colorist on this was Alex Sinclair. And I was like, that's a DC guy. What's he doing on a Marvel book? And I had to double check. And I was like, yes. So I was like, we've had a big movement here, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, just a freelance thing moving over or not. But uh, they don't tend to share colorists or letterers. Hmm. The two big, the big two. They just don't. There's a couple of folks. Um, Clayton Cowles is one. He does letters mostly for Marvel. He's one of the VC guys. Those are people who work for Eliopolis. But like Tom King has him on every single book he does. Um, I asked him about that once. I was like, why do you always work with him? He's like, bestie is it what he does. I was like, fair enough. <laughs> that's the, that's a, I, so anyways, that whole like line of thought that I just had led me to the thought that like, I had a letterer on the show for a while. Yeah. I need, I need to have that conversation again with somebody. You put sins of the salt and sea number three on this script. I did. Um, I've still been reading this. It is uh, the crime book by Ed Brisson and CP Smith. Um, and uh, are you still reading this? Absolutely. Um, I I didn't like this issue as much as the first two, but I'm still I don't know. I'm uh, I'm a guy who likes uh, likes a creepy cult story, and this you know has become more <laughs> that than a, a crime heisty book. I l- I like a creepy cult story, but I don't like when the creepy cult actually has some sort of supernatural thing. 
I don't mind it if they're crazy people, but I don't want there to actually be aliens and apocalypses. Well, I, I like the stories where you as the, the viewer, the reader, or the whatever, don't know. Like, sure. there's the most recent season of Black Mirror, um, that Demon 79, like, the idea I, was... I, ha- I haven't watched it yet, so this, this is, not is really, one of those it's not really rare things. Anything, but okay. it's like, it's like, it's unclear if the person is having a psychotic episode mm-hmm. or the things are actually happening. And uh, I don't like that usually. Okay, well then you might not like this particular story, but you know that's fair. No, I mean the, there's there's value in all sorts. The of thing, I, the thing I don't like, the one thing I don't like about this book right now is the the head of the the bad cult people, Cecil or whatever his name is. I, I don't like how powerful they already are. I guess they're making a comment uh-huh. on Scientology, but I, I think it would this story would be working better for me if it was the cult itself was a little less powerful and had like they're pretty omnipotent. Yeah. I, th- I think the strengths here, what I liked about this issue is that um, uh, I guess before he joined G.I. Joe, uh, rock and roll was uh, a, th- a thief. That's a that's a G.I. Joe joke for old people. Um, the main character makes me think of rock and roll from G.I. Joe. Uh, they give us a little backstory about what happened there, why at the beginning he was, you know, escaping from society and completely dejected and didn't, you know, and, you know, eh, bad stuff happened to him as a result of a heist gone wrong. Yeah, that's what happens. Well, the yeah, retribution from a heist yeah, that went I, right. I really not the point. Uh, I really liked. I thought the characterization of that guy and the way he was written and drawn in his conversations with the girl and his his I don't know his his being his 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 motivation. That was really well done for a comic book. It felt very real to me in a way or just well conceived, I guess. Um, and instead of being cliche, cause I think it's, I say this in a, in a very, it's close to being a cliche, which close to being a cliche, but not, it's a pretty good way to be in a story. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. I don't really like the, the, the cult stuff all that much, but if it ends up being more political and societal, then, you know, there really are, brain sucking apocalyptic aliens i'll be fine with that but it's it's none of it's not enough to get me to go off of it because at least this is an interesting book and, what, and you know it's actually unlike a lot of the the big two books it's it's telling us this is three or five so it's like five issues mm-hmm. i'll stick with this for five issues sure yeah i i, I think where what's interesting to me is that the salton sea is a real place it you know did you ever go when you lived in california no i, I was aware of it but it you know basically there's a environmental disaster because people did dumb shit and now what you have is a completely economically destroyed area that is toxic also, environment yeah like every single thing every single thing is bad about it and and people who find themselves there find themselves in trouble and there's bad shit and bad people going on that is enough that is enough to set your story You're saying it's you, a hive of scum and villainy. I'm just, you don't need to have like, if you were watching the movie heat and then all of a sudden there was an alien, you'd be like, you don't need this. This movie's great. You don't need that. But comic books need to do that. And I'm hoping that at least they tread lightly. That yeah. person's a vet, but you know, we'll see. I mean, there's a really great movie called the invitation, um, mm. came out probably about 10 years ago. Uh, and it's sort of a, a, it's also kind of a creepy cult story, but based around a dinner party that, that um, goes to some strange places. And that movie has a reveal at the end that isn't exactly a supernatural reveal, but makes the entire movie so much more haunting in the mm-hmm. retrospect. So like something like that, which if you haven't seen, I'm not going to spoil it because that's that's definitely one worth enjoying directly. Um, I, I would be cool with here, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's still worth reading. I mean, what in the end, what I'm talking about, it is an object if it's subjective. I 
don't like that so many comic book stories do that. I don't think it's a mistake. I'm clearly in the minority. I just, I think that the, the form can do without it sometimes. We lean on it. Anyway, uh, where you can just lean way into it, though, is over in Adventures of Superman, uh, John Kent, number six. I'm enjoying the solo John Kent stories written by Tom Taylor more than I would have thought I would have. Um, I, I think, you know, Connor is correct that getting rid of the capes makes these uniforms not quite work, which is an issue. But I think the really smart thing here is... Yeah, make Jonathan Kent the blue electric Superman, like make that the evolution of his powers. And that to me is a really smart way to distinguish him from Clark. I agree uh, with what you said, uh, but I didn't even really think about that as as an aspect of it. I I like the character. I just do. It's very interesting that, you know, like you're the kid of the greatest guy and you have tons of power. What's that like? Now, what does that do to DC continuity and legacy? Well, it fucks it all up. But yes. on its own, it's it's a it's an interesting idea. You know, if you're if you're a parent or a kid, these are things that that you know you think about or would I would assume. And then you know, Tom Taylor is very 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 good at this. Uh, having John Kent in this in the situation that. Tom Taylor, I don't know if he created, but he guided it of of um the injustice the injustice, you know, thing and and having like a, the you know, an element from the main DC universe go there. It was it was done it was done great. Like he and I, I really embodies like, what's great about Clark Kent. Yeah, and I I think we I feel like we've seen the Batman is, has a plan to bring down the Justice League done a lot um mm-hmm. since the original was it Tower of Babel. Um Yeah. And I don't know that we've ever seen a Superman has to take down the Justice League because why would Superman ever like Clark would never do that. But Jonathan is put in a situation here where he's sort of got to like make sure that the Justice League can't team up and whoop him. And so like the way he goes about that, the way he prioritizes, you know, he says, I got to I got to do the Flash first because if I can't if the Flash is not willing to sit this one out, I like I'm screwed. I'm done. So like Mm -hmm. he has to like convince this convince Barry with a super speed talk. Um, I love that. I thought that was a great scene. Yeah, and then you know he's able to 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 take Hawk Girl's wings and take Hal's ring, and then Diana like he's like, well, I can't, I can't get her. Like literally, I just have to get her off the board. So he like flies her to Jupiter, <laughs> and ditches her. Yep. Yeah, it's all good because <laughs> he's like, I'm it, at this distance, I'm fast enough for, that she won't be back in time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then and then the hug like totally caught me off guard and really worked. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was, it was a good issue. It was fun. Real quick, uh, listeners. Uh, probably remember that I, I put uh, Howard Chaikin on our Talksplode show and talked to him, but that largely came about the fact that I have just been enamored with Hey Kids Comics uh, since it started. We're in the middle of Volume 3, actually near the end of Volume 3, which is the last uh, volume. I'm so upset. Uh, fifth issue. Uh, what we have here, and I don't even need to dwell on it, but it's the 1986 issue, or at least the mid-80s that culminates in this. So, you know, Dark Knight Returns, um, uh, um, Watchmen, uh, American Flag, uh, it's pretty clear who Howard Chicken is in this one. Um, uh, uh, the, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle guys, he's been in Laird. Um, this is the first time I've ever read an issue of this where I was like, I know who every single person is supposed to be in this. <laughs> I loved it. It was great. It's, it's funny though, because like all the other issues have a certain era of mystery where I had to think about them. I had to think about this at all. And so to me, I just read it. I was like, oh, this is a, this is a point of view. 
of the writer. But also, I, th- I think he incorporates other points of view in here that aren't necessarily his because he's got so many people talking about it. Um, I love, I love it. I it's just, it's, it's just great. I, I could live in this world. For, I mean, I guess we do live in this world, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I can keep going. Um, moving along uh, real quickly. I wanted to mention Hellboy and the BPRD 1957 from below. This is a one shot. I do not believe it as a number. Um, it's a, it's a 1957 Hellboy story. That's what they do now. They tell you when it is at the beginning and it's a one shot story. All Hellboy stories are basically the same. And it's the thing that you come to expect about them is, is that like same shit, different day, you know, that's, that's Hellboy basically. Um, and and this is this is good, just like all of them. They have a very consistent uh, quality about them. However, I'm reading this book, and and I and I go, I don't recognize what this art is. It's pretty good. I like. It. I flipped it back to the beginning. I see it's our, our old pal Mike Norton. Mike Norton. Uh, you know, I completely missed that. That's- yeah. Not you know, longtime comic book artist, uh, definite you know friend of the show. Uh, I, you know, and well, uh, I haven't seen Chris Robertson's name in a while either. He's a buddy. Yeah, he's been doing some of these. Uh, I think he's been his name's been, you know, Mignola is always listed on story, but I, I have my suspicions. Anyway, I just, you know, Lee Lowridge on colors and Clem Robbins. That's an all star fucking team right there. Yeah. Um, and uh, it looked great. He did. You know, like, he, you know, like the thing about Hellboy to me is his posture and his aloofness and his same shit, different dayness about it. Like he's just not impressed by the monsters. Every time a monster shows up, most people go, oh, my God, he goes, ah, crap. Just more of this stuff I got to clean up. And like, if you do that right, you do a good Hellboy. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a great Hellboy. I, I enjoyed it. I want to, I was just happy to see, you know, I, there's no reason for me why Mike Norton shouldn't be doing lots of mainstream books still. I'm, um, you know, it's a guy who just does, he knows storytelling, great monster in this, uh, you know, wonderful draftsman, all, all the things that you want out of good comic book stuff. So it's great to see him. I let him know. I was like, that issue was great. I was really happy to see you on there. Great work. Um, and um, it's I, I feel like it's been a while since we've had Hellboy in a situation where like the the threat to him was physical, like he had to fight. You know, I feel like there's been a lot of cerebral and creepy and horror things, but this was just like personal, big, like yeah, like big monster, <laughs> just take it down. Like yep, keep punching it with that giant rock hand. So those are the books that we wanted to talk about this week. Uh, I, there was I could have talked about a lot of books. Um, I really, I really enjoyed my comics this week. I was, I I was about out. We covered, yeah. we covered my stack. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, but each week, uh, the patrons, uh, the people who, who contribute at patreon.com get to vote on a book that they would like us to read. Uh, and this week, the one that gets the most votes wins. And on, honestly, I think Patreon patrons, I think more of you should vote. I, I, I think, uh, I think you're not being represented fully and I'd like to see it. That's not a complaint about this week's book. Uh, this week's book is the sacrifices number one. It's the new Rick Remender book from his giant generator line published by Image Comics. Um, would have talked about this anyway. Just yes. So, you know, this absolutely would have talked about this anyway. Art by Max Fiamura, colors by Dave McHaig. And, and, and by the way, I believe there were no credits in, in what I was reading. Um, but I looked at the cover, but I went, it's Russ Wooten. It's always Russ Wooten with Rick. And I looked at the cover and he was on there and I was like, see, I know. That's the kind of thing I know. I know that Russ Wooten always letters Rick Remender books. There you go. He also always uh, lettered Invincible. That's a, that's a thing that he does. Um, you you want to take it away? You want to like, what do you think? It's sort of two stories that don't really come together. One's Yet. about like a bird family of farmers and there's like mm-hmm. a, a, a fracas and a, a Rick Remender continuing to work out some of his dad issues <laughs> with a whooping and um, and then there's this sort of like fantasy uh, uh, 
castle princess dad is a big fire monster Son thing kind of thing yeah yeah and then um and then we end on a, a sad note where like apparently in this culture the bird people have to like give up one of their kids as a sacrificial cog in this machine of this empire they're living under and um i don't know did you read the essay in the back i did which is which was the thing to me that was interesting yeah. um so as i was reading this book and you pretty much described it i don't think i could describe it better nor do i think could anyone because we don't know what it is yet so to the extent of as i was reading it um it is one of those books where that there are there's only so much information given and so you are supplying context in the absence of that information for a lot of it. And there's two ways this happens. One is that presumably skilled writers or skilled writers presumably know and are planning for exactly the amount of information that they are giving you. And that is their choice and their technique. The other side of that is when a, an unskilled writer, a less skilled writer, doesn't know or isn't aware that they're not giving you enough information or they think they're being good at it, but they're not or vice versa, where they're giving you way too much information. You have no idea what's important. Right. And I thought I, so that you reminded me of this um, idea in uh, writing circles, especially writing fiction about architects versus gardeners. Have you heard this? Mm, yes, but you're gonna have to refresh me. Um, it's a George R. R. Martin thing. And basically there's. Uh, I think a lot of writers fall more in the architects where they plan out everything that's going to happen before mm -hmm. writing the story. And that I think is where a lot of these books, a lot of these books lose you without meaning to, because they're, they spend the, the, the creator has spent so much time world building. They want to share that world with you. So they, they fire hose it in the first couple of issues and it's overwhelming. And, and, and what happens is you end up on this track and if the story leads them away from that track, you have to force it back onto the track because right. you had the plan for it. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Whereas, uh, gardeners think of the stories as like, I'm planting a seed and I'm going to see where it grows, what it grows into. And I'll guide it. I'll prune it. I'll, I'll trim it. I'll water it. All this other stuff. And George R. R. Martin is like super far on the gardener mm -hmm. spectrum, which is one of the reasons that like when, when things fall apart for characters in, in uh, the song of ice and fire series, it, why it hits so hard is mm -hmm. because they've been acting like real people who aren't being told what to do by a writer. Mm -hmm. And so all the follies and failures that they face are usually because of things that organically happened earlier in the story and came back to bite them. And so I, you know, but the trick is the writer's skill is that those things, even if they're not very apparent, still have to have a beginning, middle and end arc. Yes. They have to, they cannot feel aimless because you are telling a story and real life is not a story unless by coincidence, um, you know, in that way. And so it's, it's that, like like treading that line between making sure that you do actually have a narrative and a story, but are letting things develop organically. I remember I read forever ago um, Stephen King's On Writing, which is still my favorite thing I've ever read about how to write something. And it, it's, you know, it's not like, here's what you do. But, you know, his thing is like, he thinks of the setting, he thinks of the stuff, Main. he thinks of the characters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um <laughs> And uh, and then he kind of lets the characters do and say what they're going to say. And, and what that means is, I, I mean, I, I don't know people who've never written stuff or whatever, but like they start talking, you start writing it down and then things happen. You know, uh, now, you know, you have to know, hey, this is crap <laughs> or, or, you know, like you have to recognize if it's forming into something that's worth a damn. And some people never do. And it doesn't matter, whatever. Uh, but I, I always think of that uh, in that way. So. 
moving back in that essay, Remender is talking about that. And it, he sort of couches in the idea that like he's a huge David Lynch fan um, and how he talks. About, it, it was really interesting to me because he did bring up, he was like the amount of information, what they're telling you when you're telling it, and then how, how much you expect the reader to fill in on their own. And that is what I was thinking about the entire time that I was reading the book. And I thought, and, and, and I was, I was wondering like, like actively like, is, is this on purpose? Like, is it's just short of being too vague. And then he spoke to it directly and I felt so validated. <laughs> it was magnificent. Now I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not a big David Lynch fan. I don't really like David Lynch from what I know, but I, I never got too far into it. So I don't really know. Um, are you a David Lynch person? I like Twin Peaks. That's, you know, <laughs> that's about where I get off, get yeah. on off the ride. But whatever, you know, you, you like you can take stuff from people all the time. You have your own voice or whatever. You know what <laughs> I do? I, yeah, I'll tell you what I do love. Yeah. I don't know if he's still doing it. Um, for a long time during the pandemic, uh, David Lynch was issuing weather reports from the same exact spot in his house every single day. <laughs> so he would say like, "It's Friday," you know, June twenty seventh, and the, <laughs> the weather. And it, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. it's. Oh, and he says, "Can he always would say like, can you believe it? <laughs> it's Friday <laughs> once again." And uh, yeah, the. Uh, Julie and I definitely started doing the like, can you believe it? That's fantastic. Yeah. He seems like a very quirky, charming, funny person. Sure. For the weird. See, I don't know anything about him because the movies just creep me out. Um, I don't really like being creeped out. That's the thing. Um, and, and I guess, uh, anyway, so to get back to the thing, you know, Rick Remender here, he, he, he built a world. It's clearly thought out, you know, but, but, you know, the, the, the birds at the beginning who live in a world where you have to sacrifice one of your kids, there was an awful lot of emotional yes. realism put into that where I was like, oh, he's dressed like Michael Landon. But this <laughs> family is homestead. broken. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and it, well, like, when you, when you learn the truth about Michael Landon, not Michael Landon, the character he's playing, Paul, yeah, yeah. Um, he was in a murder posse, Josh. Little House on the Prairie. Yeah, I don't I'm saying you remember better than I do. No, no, no. Um, this was never in the show. I'm saying the real, like the real oh. Eagles family. The dad was very likely in a murder posse that went and took out a family of serial killers. Huh. It's a whole. Well, thing. All right. Yeah. Um, you know, but but like what it's first, it very first seems like, oh, it's just you know like country country boy abuse. Uh, is more than that. There's a whole other thing going on that doesn't fit into like your idea of Little House on the Prairie. Um. And then you make this enormous jump to this other planet where there's a princess and a king who's kind of a son. And then he lights up the planet, which turns out to be the sun to this planet that we've been spending time on. Otherwise, a lot going on here in a short amount of time. Um, Max Fiamura, who is somebody who I Fiamara, Mara, not Mara. Um, I knew him first from the Joe Kelly series. Four eyes. Dragons. Four eyes. Exactly. Uh, He's, he was great. This is a lot like Leandro Fernandez, like great and stylistic when he started and is now like got the system. He's polished, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, he blasted out of the gates with that book and yeah. um, But a lot of that was on style and, and, you know, brashness and whatever. And like here, it's just like, Oh, you've built the skills too. You have the, you have the package because you have to be to work with Rick Remender. Rick Remender has impeccable taste in working with artists and like, you know, you know, like the thing where people say, well, if you really made it, if you go work with Mark Miller and then never work in mainstream comics again. Um, but if you work with Remender, you might not be famous, but you're fucking good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's, it's the, the guy knows how to, how to, you know, match himself with artists for sure. Um, Dave McHead, great colorist, Russ Wooten, you know, like the best. I, you know, I, I don't know what to think of it, but I was really impressed by it and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, um, same. 
Um, and I, I tend to be a little bit more hit or miss on Remender's work. Generally, I feel like his stuff either completely works for me or it doesn't work at all. I feel like I'm like 75%. I think I'm, I think I'm closer to 50, 50 fair. And I, and I think, I think there's a little part of him that would almost appreciate that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because the stories really are like, he, it's always a Remender because he puts so much of himself in the story. As far as I can, you know, I'm, I'm projecting to a certain extent, but I think that's the case. Uh, but the stories themselves are very different. They're set in different places. You know, they're always fantastic. And I, when I, what I don't mean by they're good, like the premises are fantastic in all sorts of different ways. Time traveling scientist who was trying to validate himself to his dad. Uh, 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 I can't, I'm trying to think the, the scumbag, whatever the fuck that was. Um, Even going seven, all the way back to fear. Seven do it to fear. Yeah. Um, and I like, I love that about it. Like it's a guy who, you know, really goes for it each time. You know, he's not doing, he's working out stories about his anxiety, but he's not telling us like, it's almost like this one thing where I was just talking earlier, like everything doesn't have to be supernatural. Well, Rick is the exception to that. It's like, he can do whatever <laughs> he wants to because he, if he, when he does a thing, he does it for a reason and he fills it with so much humanity that you can make it as fantastic as possible. Um, as I was, I really, I enjoyed it. Like it was just like, I didn't know what it was going to be because I knew it could go either way. And I was like, all right, that was satisfying and meaty and, and, and new, uh, and you know, exquisitely rendered. So stick with it. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Uh, me too. What are we giving it? Rating wise? It's up there. Um, I don't think this would have been my pick. No, but I also don't ascribe to, to the good, good Sir Kilpatrick's system of, of the pick informs the rating. No. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm going to say four. I'm giving it four. I'm giving a solid, strong four. I might go 4.25. That's fair. It's all, you know, like I felt, I felt it was low, but I, I you know, I don't want to, that's where I'm going for now. It's just, it's no shame about a four. No shame about a four at all. Uh, but it's it, built. It's building. The story is still building. Oh yeah. No, like, like you, you did a lot of work here elegantly. I believe. And uh, that's the good stuff. Uh, if you would like to vote uh, for uh, the patron pick each week, and you should, don't ignore those. Actually, I don't know. Does it come in an email? I, I don't I know. Don't, I don't know. I'm not eligible. You might have to go to Patreon, but I'm not sure. I should know that, but I don't. Um, that's just, there it is. Uh, <laughs> it's not because I don't care. It's just not my job. And I got other shit to do. Patreon.com. Patreon.com. You're saying it's not what you're about. It's not. It is. I'm about it. I just don't do it. I thought you were about respect for women. Always. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. You can directly support the show. Uh, media explodes. The talk explodes. The book explodes. All that stuff gets uh, came into being. Came into. Was resurrected uh, because of the patrons. This communities on Facebook and Discord. There's a monthly patron hangout. Uh, it's a good time. It's the right thing to do. Uh, I can tell you it directly helps my life a heck of a lot in addition to uh, the support that it provides. It also gives me a place to do this. And uh, I need to do this. I love doing this. I love being with my friends and talking about comics that I love so much. There is new merch available. Ooh. It's t- it's tier exclusive. So your pa- your your patron contribution depend you know, you get which you, there's choices. There's stuff. It's all written out there. It's gonna be better than me. But you can get a shirt, you can get a tote bag, whatever. There's different things. Go look. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thank you to everyone uh who 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 finds that we are valuable enough uh a part of your life to 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 contribute monetarily to. It means the absolute world to us. And thank you. Uh, you're great people. And now uh, you make us feel good. 
I um uh, I think I'm on a uh, t-shirt hiatus as as uh, strongly suggested by my wife. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so I, it's been a while since I've gotten an iFanboy shirt, but I still have my original intern shirt. Nice, nice. I think I don't have any more. I had a I had boxes and boxes <laughs> downstairs for a while, and I was like, we these have to go. Um, so a bunch of them went to Goodwill, and I really want to see somebody walking around in one who has no idea what it was. I think it'd be the best thing ever. iFanboy shirts and items over at iFanboyThrowThis.com. Uh, there was uh, recently had the Pride shirt. Uh, half of those shirts, uh, half of those proceeds went to the It Gets Better project. There are 13 designs on shirts. Uh, you can go to uh, ifembo.com slash support where you find a PayPal link. If that's how you want to do it, if you want to do it, ifembo.com slash Amazon. Clear enough. Bookshop.org is the other place where we put links on there, and that helps you place orders on the internet that will get fulfilled by independent bookstores, which is a good thing. Uh, we we, we got we to gotta move here, folks. Every week, uh, one of those patrons who gives it a $5 or higher level um gets a stupid superpower a silly superpower a great superpower a bad superpower they are they are bestowed with some kind of superpower this week steven t siffert or Sifer uh is is bestowed with the following power he has a tiny jack aubrey on one shoulder and a tiny steven maturin on the other shoulder these are the two protagonists of <laughs> Patrick O'Brien's 21 chapter wow. seafaring story. Uh, you may remember a film from 2003 with Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany as those two characters. Um, and so the deal is, is that Jack Aubrey, they're both, they're great friends, but they're very, very different. Aubrey kind of dumb, great sea captain, you know, childish and stupid, but good at heart. Uh, and, and amazing at being a sea captain. Uh, and then, and then Maturin, he's Irish. He's a Ooh. genius. He is, uh, Basically he's, like a, he's a Charles Darwin. He's a man of science. Yes, he is. But he's like, they're both beautifully conflicted people. You know, they have their foibles. Uh, w- when you read a story about 18th century, uh, sea men, they're usually not flawed and, 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 uh, sort of as complex as these people and they are. And so, uh, should you have stories, you would hear them in their, in their, uh, 18th century patois, um, discussing how they thought you should go about it. And sometimes they play, uh, violin and cello together because they love doing that together, which is a nice thing. Um, so they would be there and they would help you or they would annoy you, but they're there. I mean, I would like, really. Do you think? Do you think this power works better if Stephen's job or life has him out at sea from time to time? Like, would that? Would I, it... I do not think so. I think that this person is either going to be familiar with it and be tickled, or be completely unfamiliar with it and feel like he really he got he got screwed over here. Would this? I mean, if you gained this power, would it change the course of your life? Because, like, I might consider going. I might just have to take to the sea. I think that maybe it would affect me in the extent that. Uh, you know, I, something I would maybe be afraid of, you know, Jack would be like, simply capital. You must, <laughs> upon my word, you must go ahead. Mm. Sharps the word and quicks the action. Gotcha. You know, like. Ter- you know, that was a terrible Russell Crowe impression. <laughs> I don't. I don't I, it's just, I, if I can be honest with you, it's not Russell Crowe that I was doing in my head. Right, right. When you re- read the books versus the movie. Yes. Um. Yeah, I mean, because I feel like you and I have talked about this. We're we're both mountain people. We're not necessarily ocean people. I'm definitely not a beach person. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't trust the. I don't trust the ocean. I don't think we should have anything to do with the ocean. 
But one of the things I love about those sailors from that time is that most of them couldn't fucking swim. They were on that boat. They did all the boat stuff, but they weren't like, like, oh man, I can't wait to get, you know, into the ocean. They didn't, it's not that. It's about being on the ocean. Yeah. It's nice. A, a, a ship is safest at harbor, but that's not what ships are made for. Ah, it's, it's so fascinating. It's, it's, it's so, I know, I know this is a story about two dudes, but it's also so romantic. Like it's. Oh, hundred percent. Oh God. It's really lovely. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going cool. for it. I'm going all the way. Uh, I promise I won't mention them on the show again. I'm sorry, everyone. I have two good questions here. And, and, and we're, we're already a little long. It's your call. I think we should do one of them, but I'm. Nope. We're going to do them both, but we're going to, the first one you're going to read. And and here's the rule. Oh yeah. It's got an R there. You get two. (laughs) I didn't want to, I didn't want to, I didn't want to fart around. Yeah. yeah. Good. You get get two answers. All right. Scott from Oregon writes, I've been going to conventions the last 15 plus years, and this year I'm actually tabling at a few. It's a weird feeling going from attendee to exhibitor. I saw you guys do a panel at ECCC in Seattle one year, and since then I've been wondering how your con experience, con going experience changed over the years. Were you attending conventions much before I fanboy? Uh, did I fanboy becoming a cultural phenomenon and you covering conventions for the site change your experience significantly? Any great memories? Um, I haven't been to a con in... I've been in, I haven't really been to a con in, in about 10 years. I've sort of dropped in on a couple in Boston here and there, but uh, the question like, did it change my, we're not a cultural phenomenon, maybe among our small culture at one moment quickly, but yes, that did change it. Uh, having worked it, like, I don't, I don't tend to want to do the same things that most people going to cons would want. I don't need comics. Right. I I've don't. never had any interest in a con con exclusive piece of merch right i don't want stuff uh and and you know fortunately for me i've actually met most of the people that i wanted to so i don't really want an autograph Uh, you know mostly there's 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 things i'm not i'm not made of stone or whatever but it's different to me the con became a thing where i got to see friends and uh i you know i've said this many to anybody who'll listen uh for my whole life uh you know comic book professionals are my favorite people and for me to be uh, it's not, you know, it's not my full-time job, but for me to be, uh, accepted, uh, as sort of one of those people, as part of that tribe, as being knowing enough without ever having published any comics on my own, I, I actually am greatly honored by that. And I, yeah. I just, I love, I have, you know, I, I feel the, the worst thing about not going to, I, I, I miss some friends, I, Mike Norton, we talked it about was, him earlier. I mean, it was, it, it, in a lot of ways, it was sort of like going to camp, right? You see all your yes. camp friends. Yeah, yeah, but with like the people you only see once or twice a year, maybe more times if you're going to a lot of cons, but like you have an instant rapport with you can pick up right where you left off the last time you hung out and really Um, like smart, intelligent, funny, creative people, you know, are the the people who I met in the comic industry. And and the thing about going to cons when you're like working the con, it provides a different level of like focus, right? Like you've got a thing to do that's not just walking around because I took a friend who never been to a convention to New York comic con one year. And he was like, so did they just set up a mall? Like, is this, this is just a place for people to shop and spend money. And I was like, I mean, I guess that is a function of it, but and, there's and, more and, and meet celebrities, but meet is an air quoted thing. Like, yeah. I've never wanted to do that. I mean, like, I feel like the only time I would ever go like pay to get an autograph or a photo would be like kind of ironically. And I feel like that's like minimum. I, I want to have a real experience with a person. If I don't, then it doesn't count for me. Yes. Uh, I, I feel that way. That said, you know, I got the I got William Hootkins who signed uh, who played Jack Porkins in Star Wars and Eckhart and Batman. He signed my action figure and I paid him ten bucks for it. And I do it a hundred times over. And that actually wasn't ironic, but also that was a really long time ago. But um, 
it's such a weird thing. And, and some people have it's, different yeah. kinds of experiences with people. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm going to begrudge anybody that. Okay. So, uh, no, uh, it's, it's, it's a really interesting little microcosm. Yes. Um, it is. And I also have not been to a convention in about 10 years and I just, I don't know. In the post pandemic era. Though. Hmm? Like you probably wouldn't go and have anything to do. Right. You go around like the last time I went in Boston, I went and I, I hooked up with people. Uh, we, we just one in Manchester too, that in, in New Hampshire, that the guys who run the comic shop, I don't go to it, but they're friends of mine and they're, they're awesome. They do a great little con here. Um, you know, that that's, uh, uh, it's a great little show, but what I would do is I'd find people I know, you know, right. and be like, Oh man, I haven't seen you forever. And, and like, that's the last time I saw a lot of these friends who I know from social media, you know, I only can keep up with on social media, but I'm off most of that now. So, right. but like that's that last time I went to one in Boston, like I, I saw Mike Norton, I hadn't seen him forever. We used to go for dinner at the end of the San Diego show every time, you know, we talked about guitars for a while and, uh, you know, that's what I like. I, you know, it was years and years ago, but like I had dinner with, with another guy I had, you know, they're all guys. I'm sorry. It's not that I don't have friends, but let's let's be honest. Um, it's, I have nothing against it. I just that seems to be how it goes for the most part. Uh, apparently, if you run a site and I'm my fanboy, you're you're exclusive to a certain extent that I didn't plan for, and I feel bad about. Anyway, do you have a do you have a you have like okay, we're gonna say one. Do you have a like a, a great con memory? You and said we were allowed say, to have two. I know, but I changed it because we talked for a while. Oh, dang. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do two. Don't tell me meeting us or anything like that. I don't want to hear it. No, I mean, I did meet you guys at a convention, but like that that was, you know, I, I did not know that that was a, I, I didn't know that that right. meeting was like going to matter for the, a big chunk of my life moving forward. Um, Fair. So, so, you know, it's, it's as a memory, it's still just kind of a, a fuzzy one. Right. Um, uh, two memories. First one is sort of an after con party at, um, WonderCon, back when WonderCon was held in San Francisco, oh. or I think it was WonderCon. It was some show happening in San Francisco that brought in a lot of people, and Isotope decided to throw a party for Brian Azzarello, um, who's a writer I like fine, but, you know, I also have heard that they have somewhat of a, a not prickly personality, but they're just not like the warmest, fuzziest person. And um, uh, Ash, the guy who usually bought beer for the um, the the parties, just because, like, James and Kirsten are cocktail people, uh, called me up and said, Brian, I'm really sick. I can't get the beer for this party. But like Brian Azzarello has specifically requested like local craft California beer because apparently he's a big beer guy. And he's like, so I, can you go to City Beer Store, which is a great little beer spot in San Francisco, and buy like $200 worth of beer only from California and take it to Kirsten and James as they set up for the party and they'll pay you back. And I said, yeah, great. No problem. So I go, I do that. I show the up next with, like, story is going to be shorter, by the way. It is. Uh, I show up with like this case of of beer, and I give it to Kirsten, and she literally just reaches into the tip jar from the cocktails and pulls out enough cash to like pay me back right away. And then I I'm just join the party, having a good time, and I hear that Brian Azzarello has finished the case. Jesus, like he drank. I thought because I thought I was getting him beer to like take home to Chicago. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I managed to bump into him before either of us leaves. And I just said, hey, you know, nice to meet you. I hope you enjoyed the party. Um, I happened to buy all the beer that uh, it sounds like you you enjoyed. Uh, so I just hope it, hope I made some good selections. And he just leans in and shakes my hand and looks me dead in the eye and goes, the beer was exquisite. And then walked away. And I was like, perfect. I don't ever need another interaction with this person ever again. Yeah, that's a good one to leave it on. Yeah. Um, the, the, the other short story, much, much shorter, is uh, at the end of San Diego Comic-Con every year, Bill Willingham used to throw a party in his um, suite uh, that he had and it was just a really awesome place to like wind down after the convention and meet a bunch of cool people and people like you know robert kirkman would just pop in and say hello and stuff like that so um a lot of i have a lot of memories from those sort of winding this is down the, the before this is before the mogul kirkman yeah. this was this was i young. mean i think this, i think there was already a show i don't remember it was years mm-hmm. ago 
Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my memories are, are largely about, um, I have so many, it's kind of, it's like walking around on the floor and those awkward things and like that, that how we went from being dorks who were kind of a non-entity to people who like had some, got some respect and by people who we really liked and, 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 uh, you know, access in that way and would have sort of good conversations. I'll, I'll give you one i had asked at one point to i think it was a little star fucking at that point still but like brian posain who is sort of comic book adjacent was at a table and he'd written something that year and i was like hey can we talk to you and he was totally like he's like didn't want to do it you know but he did mm-hmm. and and, and I, you know we did one of our short little dumb interviews that were you know five minutes or whatever and we finished i said thanks he goes those are actually those actually those were really smart questions i was like thank you you know, like I was like, because that's, that's you, you, you say that to me, you're saying exactly what I want to hear. You are tickling my, my flattery spot just right. You know, cause I, the idea of wasting somebody's time and being inane, just that's the last thing I want. Uh, and so yeah, I mean, that, was, that was basically how Willingham and, I, Willingham and I first became friends is he was doing a signing at the shop I worked at and we were and you know, I was kind of asked to be, this be a third story. <laughs> well, I was just asked to be the guy to like keep the weirdos at, mm-hmm. at bay or, or move, keep the line moving. And Bill and I just were chatting. And like at the end of the conversation, Bill told my boss, um, who's kind of a legendary comic book reseller, uh, retailer in the Northern California area. I was like, man, that kid you hired knows everything about these comics that he sells. And I was like, <laughs> awesome. That is so. Um, and the other one would be, you know, you talked about your after. We had a tradition uh, after San Diego. By the way, uh, Scott, you went to. Uh, if you were at the Emerald City one, that's I think that was like my, my favorite show I ever did. Like just as an overall, I never experience. made it to that one, but I always heard really good I, things. I really, about it. I only went one year, but like it was just a great, that was a great time at that show, and I always wanted to go back to it. Um, it was a place down the road that had great cinnamon rolls. The other thing is after San Diego, we would uh, get dinner uh, ourselves and a fanboy, and then you know friends of ours and, and and some comics folk. We were at the San Diego Strip Club, which is a steak place where you cook your own steak, whatever. Yeah, I, got, I went to that now. one year. It was uh, you know, and I I remember you know we were talking about I'm, I'm not like dropping names because it's not like Mike Norton's like a huge star, but he was a friend of ours is and 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 like he kept ordering different flavored margaritas one after another and it, it was like this one's good this one's not good and like and i just remember and like you know like the one year darwin cook came and I, we're like i can't believe darwin cook has come to our thing and and the, you know and i know that sound like it still sounds like but like he's just a person who we respected so much and he thought oh i'll hang out with these guys they're worth my time and that again it's incredibly validating and neat you know and, and we hung out we talked about watches you know we you know and there were other guys <laughs> that's the last one I was, it's just me being dumb scotty young um he's he's been a friend of ours forever before he was you know the the most popular cover guy to the babies you know um but he you know he had some clout and was getting bigger and whatever and we're grilling our steaks and i <laughs> he said you know if you turn it 45 degrees it gets those th- he goes i'm an artist i know and i was like <laughs> fair enough Scott. I, I think of it all the time about just being an idiot We're like did you know that yes so that's the opposite of the other thing i said but it's you know it's fine uh that was great i am i'm lying i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna save this next one it's too long uh, i gotta get back to, to life um so if you want to send in an email contact at ifanbar.com uh is the place you do it if you want to send uh emails for our media explode show as well which is our non-comics show uh that we do monthly and we do mailbags every i don't know half a year 
four, whatever, uh, six months or something. He's put media split in the title. You can send him there. We save them all up. Uh, this past week, uh, we had a media split come out. We discussed, we did the summer mailbag. We answered mail. So if you send it in now, probably not good to happen right away, but still do it. Um, uh, we did summer mailbag and we talked about Oppenheimer, uh, the, the, the film that's really showing about nuclear stuff. Uh, here <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. You haven't? No. Are you interested in it? I have a toddler. <laughs> I know. Here's the um, thing about that: there are not a lot. I don't. I don't. I don't really know. I don't think of you as being a big cinema guy. But if you're a cinema person, there's not a lot of movies that are made for you to go see in a cinema, and you should. If that's a thing, you I, I would like. I would like to get to Oppenheimer. Yeah. Yeah, you should. Science. It's yeah. science and morality and all that stuff. And uh, anyway, uh, uh, Booksplode came out a little before that. Um, Connor and I talked about It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth by, tell me your name because I can't remember it. I don't remember. I'm sorry. so sorry. I'm so, I'm, this, I, you know, what do you want? Uh, I want to come back on Booksplode. <laughs> okay. We can, we can make that happen. Yeah. Here, you read this 400 page Superman book that I apparently volunteered myself for. You do it for me. Uh, <laughs> I want to do, I want to, I actually, I was really excited that you did a non superhero uh, book float, and I would love to. I have a couple of Zoe suggestions. Zoe Thoroughgood. Oh, that's good. Zoe Thoroughgood. Um, yes. Uh, Justice League War World is an animated uh, uh, movie, I guess. Uh, yes. The, Animation the, Brain Trust. Yes. That'll, that'll happen at some point. Connor is, uh, he's no longer on the high seas. As far as I can tell, we only get we get sporadic messages via pigeon. And to be honest, he had to be pretty vague about it. I think I think the law Actually, was the last on one him. I got. It was a disc of wood that had been cut from a tree and the message was carved in the tree rings. It was. Yeah, he does that sometimes. Yeah, um, that's improv, Ryan. Um, there should be a new talks blow this month. I can't promise you that that will happen within the confines of this month of August. But uh, I think I think a very I think a thing is going to happen that will you'll like uh usually you do uh not to toot my own horn uh if we do movies we might do teenage Mutant ninja turtles i'm not sure when that'll happen or if probably won't do blue beetle but that's also not a promise but we're not gonna do blue beetle um well i i had offered to maybe do blue beetle so we'll see yeah that's true uh take take us out here and then yeah you're, yeah yeah you can you can find our library of over 1300 shows and counting over at ifanboy.com or wherever podcasts are sold follow us at ifanboy comics on instagram to find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out and sometimes for the best of the week in panels uh if you would like to try to locate uh connor kilpatrick you can maybe check out his instagram at cs kilpatrick uh as ja flanagan on instagram and i'm at ryan helped on instagram and i'm not sh- sure what this x thing is anymore Subscribe to youtube.com slash ifanboy where you'll find... You must be on the board of directors. They, <laughs> of X. <laughs> they don't know either. Where you'll find all our own video shows and where we post this show every week. Please consider writing a review or leaving a star rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, not Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. I happen to be Ryan. And that would make me Josh. 